Oh, g'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Wednesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB and a sillier package, I am Glenn ZB. And this morning, um, we're not still talking about putting fluoride in the water. Surely everybody wants fluoride in the water. Can we not just have fluoride in the water, please? Uh, vaccine um, uh, incentives. Uh, what would it take to get you to have the vaccine if you were inclined not to get it? Again... Who knows why this is happening, but apparently it is. Uh, But first up, yeah, Grant Robertson seriously caught out, wasn't he, yesterday? A messy old day for the government politically yesterday. They ignored Treasury advice. This is one aspect of the story that hasn't been widely covered as yet, but we'll fix that this morning. Uh, Robertson, though, can't hide from the simple truth. So the bright line tax, for example, you will not change? No. Not the the rate and not the years? No. (laughs) Well, he's laughing at the end there. Um, I wonder if that came back to bite him. Uh, anyway, he was too definitive, I think. I was too definitive mm. in my comments in that interview. Seems extraordinary, though the Prime Minister pretended none of this ever happened. We were silent on the Brightline test. No, you weren't. And no. we, we had it on tape. It's a no. simple... T- <laughs> no. <laughs> Treasury wanted a 20-year Brightline test, so the government ignored that. And I'll, give you, I'll tell you why in a moment, because they've got some interesting statistics behind it. They pushed against the change that the government will make to stop landlords being able to write off interest costs on their rental agreement. Why did they do that? Uh, because they, they wanted an opposition to the, um, they were against the new build exemption as well, because they say an exemption comes with additional administrative and compliance costs and over time reduces the, the coherence of the tax system. So they were worried about that. The government ignored them. And so the stats on houses see 42% of properties are held for five years or less, 64% are held for 10 years or less, 83% of properties are held for 15 or less, and here's the killer, 90 of properties are sold within 20 years of being bought. So if you want to get the houses, if you want to tax people, if you want to make sure the money's coming in, they're saying, well, look, you're going to get 91% of houses, make it 20 years. So, um, yeah, big picture, what what did Mike make of the the whole shebang yesterday anyway? I mean, as as we keep saying, at least it was actually an announcement. A couple of parts to the housing announcement, of course. Part one, the lying. If there was anyone left who still genuinely had fallen for the most open, honest and transparent government bollocks yesterday sorted that once and for all. Not only did they say they wouldn't touch the bright line, they did. And the Prime Minister, yet again asleep at the wheel, stood there and relied by saying they were silent on the issue and clearly they weren't. Now, you can dance on the head of a pin if you want around whether a bright line adjustment is a capital gains tax, which of course it is, but it's as clear as day that Robertson said no bright line adjustment and they adjusted the bright line. Most governments lie, of course, but lying this blatantly and then pretending you didn't lie makes the lie even worse. And the lie is about the biggest issue you can lie on, housing. One way or another, it affects every single one of us. And then part two, will it work? Well, yes and no. Tax deductibility on expenses simply means one of two or two of two things. One, the increased costs of being a landlord will be passed on to the tenant, rents are already rising, or landlords will bail and rentals will become harder to get and rents will rise. Either way, rents will rise. On top of an already rising market. This is simple economic truth. The same way you can't touch one part of an economy without affecting another, you can't touch one bit of housing without doing exactly the same thing. The development money for the pipes and the lights and the roads, that's sound. The adjustment for home start, that's fiddling. The adjustments for low deposits isn't enough given the deposit is the key to first home buyers, not the mortgage money given the money so cheap. Westpac in their assessment may or may not be right about the wider economy. If the investor bails they worry, that affects the wider economy and the wider economy can't afford to be affected because it's currently going backwards and we're in a recession. Actually, we're in a double-dip recession. Housing, like it or not, drives economic activity, and if Westpac are right, Robertson, in his obsession around the so-called crisis, will have blown it. 
Of course, like GDP, the good thing about all of this, the price rises will either slow or they won't, therefore showing this move either worked or it didn't. House prices, of course, are currently slowing, proving yet again we got freaked out by something that has happened before and indeed will happen again. And if the government understood that, yesterday's dramas and dishonesty wouldn't have been required. Then what was really weird is that Stuart Nash uh, came on um, after 8 o'clock this morning and tried to tell us that there is actually affordable housing for people out there. Um, so we might just um, look some well, up. Stewie's just texted us as a Nash. Uh, so he got, obviously, the median house price in Auckland completely and utterly wrong. Uh, it is well in excess of a million dollars these days. But the, the, the caps, which are the problem, not that this justifies the caps, but the logic behind the caps is that it's based on core logic data for the lower quartile, the median of the lower quartile of whatever city or town you're dealing with. So the numbers of this, and this doesn't change the reality that you can't buy a house for this price. Auckland, 625. This is your home grant, home start. Uh, 625 for Auckland, Queenstown, 600, Wellington, 550, Nelson, Tauranga, Napier, the Bay of Plenty, 525. Christchurch, half a million, 425 for the rest of the country and $400,000. Uh, sorry, the Waikato, 425, rest of the country, 400. So we did a quick search. In Auckland at 625, there's nothing apart from Snell's Beach. There's something at 595. Agent says the interior's worse for wear. Terrible paint job, floors ripped up. So that's what you're getting for 595. Queenstown, you can get a studio apartment. Studio apartment, 40, 50 square metres. Napier, there's one place for sale. One. Capital, you get a one or two bedroom apartment, which is, don't dismiss a one or two bedroom apartment. If you're a single person, a couple, whatever, one or two bedroom apartments, nothing wrong with that. Uh, Garden City, uh, we've got a couple of options. You get a tidy two bed, one bath in Upper Rickerton. But that's about that. And so in other words, it's sort of futile. They're looking to do the right thing. And the logic makes sense, but the practical application isn't real. If you can't, if there are no houses to buy for the for the caps and the restrictions you put in place, it doesn't solve your problem or come anywhere close. To well, I mean, it's only off-putting for first home buyers who might be, I don't know, planning on having a family, yeah, or wanting floors, or wanting to live with their partners. Yeah, don't get me wrong; I'm not criticising the idea of living alone. Believe me, there are many times when the idea of living alone has tremendous appeal. As long as it's somewhere with fluoride in the water. Another example for you this morning on the weaknesses of democracy, especially at local body level. The Whangarei Mayor is against fluoridation of water. She has announced this. Is the Whangarei Mayor, I hear you ask, a medical professional? Well, in looking her up, she appears not to be. I'm not even sure she represents the view of the people who elected her, but that's democracy, isn't it? We appoint or anoint people with experience and skill in little, if anything, and expect them to run important stuff. What makes her fluoridation objection so ironic is the fact she's from Northland. And it's Northland that would appear to have the disproportionate amount of trouble in the social areas, one of them being dental health. Not sure how many stories we've seen over the years of exasperated dentists with young kids from the area having their teeth extracted due to a lack of care. And yet, when presented with an answer, a solution, no, not the whole solution, not the whole answer, but a very decent step in the right direction, they don't appear to want it. And they don't appear to want it based on what? or what they call mass medication. Those were her words, mass medication. Very emotive term, that, generally used by the anti-fluoride brigade. Science, as it stands, and very clearly pointed out on this program just last week by Professor Sir Peter Gluckman, the former chief science advisor to Prime Minister John Key, told us the science supports fluoride when it comes to dental health. And the simple form of fluoride, simplest form, fluoride in the water. Otherwise, you rely on people doing it themselves. And as we've already seen, when we leave it to the old doing-it-yourself model, doesn't really work. So you either want solutions or you don't. 
And in Fluoride, we have a fairly easy and simple one. And in the call to centralised decision-making, we have corrected an anomaly that never should have existed. I mean, in a tiny country like this, a lot of the stuff we need is universal. We're not divergent communities with special needs, certainly not in health in general, and certainly not in fluoride specifically. Our kids will be better off because of this. So what value does a non-expert local politician add? Answer? None. You see, um, random people are everywhere, and just because they're random doesn't mean that they don't get voted into office, unfortunately. Um, uh, And then there are all the random people who are uh, worried about being vaccinated. And uh, so maybe those people just need a donut. So I'm concerned on Australia yesterday that the AstraZeneca thing is starting to affect some of the oldies. Uh, phase 1B being rolled out this week in Australia as far as the jab's concerned. A number of people cancelling their appointments because they're freaking out because they live in fear. America, they're trying something different. Companies like Instacart, Target, Trader Joe's, Petco, McDonald's, Dollar General, they're handing out freebies to their workers who go get a jab. Uh, Kroger will give you $100 in-store credit plus a one-time $100 payment for taking the vaccine. A company called Publix will give you a $125 gift card. Krispy Kreme will give you a donut. I just don't know that that's really an incentive. If you work for Krispy Kreme... They are Kreme, awesome. Yeah, but not if you work for them. You've already had. You've already nicked a couple, haven't you, if you work for Krispy Kreme, to be honest. Uh, the Greenhouse of Wald Lake, Michigan, they'll give you a um, free pre-rolled joint. Now we're talking... Now you wonder why America's got problems. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, call me uh, old-fashioned, but I would have thought that uh, um, you know the survival of the species and uh, the continuation of the world's economy um, might be enough of an incentive to get the vaccine. But uh, I guess a donut and a joint, you know, that, that, that adds something to it, doesn't it? I'm Glenn ZB. <laughs> Oh, random old day, another random old day. Be back for more randomness tomorrow, I'm sure, with another rewrap. See you then.